Good morning and welcome again. As most of you know, I'm not the regular pulpit minister for this congregation. Walter Lane, our regular minister, is on vacation. My name is Scott Ruska. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, The eldership wanted to take this opportunity to talk to the congregation about some things that we think are important to us and to the church. And so, um, and we believe those things are important to you too. So today I present to you on behalf of the eldership the things we wanted to share. Will you join me in prayer, please? Our Father in heaven, please bless this time of speaking and hearing and, and thinking that all those things uh, will work out to your cause and be good in your sight to the benefit of each one of us here and to this congregation as a whole, Lord. We pray in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Okay. So this church is about 60 years old. And for 57 of those years, we had one Sunday service. For three years, starting in March of 2013, we have offered two. Opinions varied then as to whether that was a good idea, and I know that opinions also vary now. Okay? Uh, the elders, too, have an opinion, and that's what we want to share with you today. Uh, We think it's important because this just is not about the schedule that we follow on Sunday morning. This is about uh, the very heart of what the church is about. So, today, uh, what I plan to do is, number one, remember why we decided to offer two services. Number two, look at some data, some facts about what's happened since the change. Number three, remind ourselves of why we are here of what Christ wants from his church, which is, as we say, the Church of Christ. Show you where we plan to go next, okay? and along the way, confess a couple things that the elders regret. And our first regret is this. We are clearly long overdue on giving this update. Uh, for this, we apologize. For this, we ask your forgiveness. We're determined to communicate better in the future. So, a reminder, why did we decide to have two services? Remember that our membership was growing, and our auditorium and our parking lot were not growing. And that hindered our ability to bring new people into this assembly and show them the way to Christ. And the reasoning was this, right? Number one, it's well established that once an auditorium seems full to visitors, it is very hard for people to feel comfortable joining into that auditorium. And people who research this say full is about 80% of the seats taken. I've walked through this church and measured the pews and done the computation. At 30 inches a person, accepted number, there's room in here for about 486 people. Okay? 80% of that is 389. And when we made the decision to go to two services, our average attendance filled this place to 91%. So um, we were basically, to a visitor's eye, subjective, but it's important, to a visitor's eye, putting a sign on this place that said full, no vacancies. Okay? We are commanded to do our utmost to bring new souls to Christ. Okay? And the auditorium with one service was a barrier to that duty, so we could not, in conscience, leave a full sign on our church if we had a choice. And we did have a choice, and the choice was to offer two services. That's why we decided to do that. 
Uh, remember from the presentation on that subject, the fishbowl? I believe a fishbowl will appear over my head. Yes, there we go. The fish will not grow any bigger than the bowl, right? This auditorium is the bowl. Now, does a bigger fishbowl guarantee a bigger fish? It does not, right? There are other things that have to be done. But a smaller fishbowl does guarantee a smaller fish. Two services makes growth possible. It does not make growth certain. Certain requires further action. Uh, you know, you've got to feed a fish, right? You've got to clean a bowl. There's things you have to do. But you have to start with an adequate fishbowl. So that's why we did it. So what happened? Let's, let's look at some things that have happened. Number one, just remember, uh, it, it clearly works. We're here. This works. If you remember, there was a lot of anxiety about whether we could make this thing work. Who will do what and how will they do it? It works, okay? We're here. We do it every Sunday. It works. That's a win. Secondly, there's some benefits to what we've done, and I think it's easy to take benefits to gra- for granted after you receive them. Uh, lots of us, mainly the ones who are here, like finishing worship and class by 1045. And lots of others, mainly the folks who are going to come later, like having a little extra time to get the family ready and, and get them into church. So, um, we all benefit from that, and we have increased flexibility. If something interferes with your ability to go to one service, you can go to the other service. And the two services greatly help with our other major constraint, which is the parking lot. So there's some good things. Thirdly, in order to do this, a lot of people are doing more work. Right? Many of you are voluntarily sacrificing yourselves to do the work that's required. First, of course, is the preacher, okay? And after that, uh, the others who make this service possible, particularly the, those who serve, ministry leaders, the work they do for both services, people in the nursery, children's worship, the AV booth, and many other duties, too many to list, including, just so you know, the elders, right? Um, are doing more so that we can have two services. The elders want everyone to know who does that that we thank you for your commitment, service, and hard work. We know about it, we observe it, and it is deeply appreciated. Fourthly, there are some things about the old days that we all miss. Clearly, when 200 people are singing in a room, it's not as sonorous as when 400 people are singing in a room. That's undeniable. And if we only come to Sunday worship, that's all we do, then there's people that we used to see every Sunday that we don't see every Sunday anymore. Some people say, well, we're now two congregations. I think that is a gross exaggeration. I do. But there's surely a lack there. Um, However, if we feel that way, uh, we should ask why more of us don't show up at the many one congregation things that we still have, right? Uh, We have the classes in between. We have Wednesday nights. We have potlucks. We have a lot of opportunities. Nevertheless, we miss people, and that's one of the losses that we feel from the old days. I'd like to show you the attendance numbers over the past several years. Um, We'll see that this is available in some other form so you don't have to write down all those numbers or remember them. Um, You notice kind of where we started. The left four columns are the average quarterly uh, attendance at Sunday morning worship. So... 13 weeks averaged out. like to do it quarterly because there's seasonal variations. You know, summer is sparse, winter is full, and so forth. Okay. 
if you look at that, um, you can see that our peak year was 2014. Um, we went up some from when we started. Um, peaked right there in 2014. Uh, there's a kind of noticeable drop-off for the summer of 2015 from which we did not bounce back like we normally do. And so um, attendance has gone up and our attendance has gone down. A couple other numbers we like to look at. Uh, how many people um, come to the first service? That's the right-hand column. Obviously, the rest of the people come to the second service. That number's been pretty consistent, and it's about 40%. 40-60 has been that very consistent mix. Another thing that the elders have always been concerned about is the percentage of people who come to worship and then also attend Sunday morning Bible classes. Um, back in the days when we used to do the classes before the service, that number was about uh, 50%, about half. Okay? When we went switched those two around and put classes after worship, it went up to 70%. And in the two-service era, it's uh, in the mid-60s. That's about where that is. Okay. So that's what's happened. That's the kind of pros and cons and details of what's happened since we made that change. That's the head part of this talk, if you want. Data. This is things we know. So what does that data mean? What should we do about that data? That really depends not on our head, I think, but on our heart, where our heart is. Okay. So I want to turn to the heart part. I want to tell you a story Call it a parable, if you like, about how we feel about what we're doing. So this parable is a modern parable, and therefore it's not about sowing and grapes. It's about a movie, and the movie is the Titanic. Okay? Uh, you'll remember, right, the Titanic was the newest, fanciest ocean liner of 1912. It was so big and so powerful that its builder said, God himself cannot sink this ship. Um, so they only put lifeboats on for half the passengers, because who needed lifeboats? Well, as you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie, the, the ship did sink. And it did not take a mighty act of God to sink it. One iceberg that he happened to have around was sufficient. So most of the movie writes about the luxury on the ship, and then the shock and panic as they know it's sinking, and the terror as people scramble to get onto those lifeboats, mixed up with some folly because most of those lifeboats left the ship only half full. Okay? And the ship goes down, a very spectacular scene in a mile of water, and it's very, very quiet. And we see a single lifeboat. It's lifeboat number 14, and it's commanded by the fifth officer, Mr. Howe. So the saved sit quietly in that boat, and they're absorbing because so many people are gone and they're alive. And then Howe says, very slowly and reluctantly, he says, we have to go back. And the survivors are horrified. They've just escaped from the danger. Now they're supposed to go back into the danger. But one by one, they realize that Mr. Howe is right. They have a boat, and the boat has empty seats, and there are people lost, freezing and drowning, in the water, and they do have to go back. And they did. Only lifeboat 14 went back. And they saved four. It was four out of thousands. Is it worth it? It was worth it to the four. And I got to believe it was worth it to the crew, to Mr. Howe and those who went with him 
as they went towards the end of their lives because they knew that while everybody else leaned under their oars and waited for the rescue ship, they went back. So what's the application to us? Well, the church is like a lifeboat. We are commanded to make disciples. That's Matthew 28, 19, 20. It's the core of our church vision. Make, foster, and grow disciples of Jesus Christ. We're here to save the lost. A few scriptures. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. 1 Timothy 1, 15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. 1 Corinthians 9.19, our reading this morning, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. We have to go looking for survivors, and to do that we need empty seats in our boat. So, is two services a good idea or a bad idea? Right? Varying opinions, as I said. Depends on what the church is here for. In nautical terms, are we a lifeboat? Or are we like the Titanic, a liner? Okay. What's the mission of a liner? A liner's there to carry people who've bought a ticket okay, to their destination in comfort. You've seen ads for cruise ships, right? What do they emphasize? Who has the best food? Who has the best entertainment? Who has the best social events for people? A liner exists for the comfort of the passengers. A lifeboat is there to rescue the drowning. And you've seen ads for the Coast Guard, too. And what do they emphasize? They challenge people to sign up and make a commitment for hardship and even danger to rescue others. A lifeboat's about commitment, commitment to helping others. So the question is, you know, is the church a liner or a lifeboat? If the church is a liner, and if two services decreases our comfort, then the answer is obvious. We should go back to one, because that's what we're here for. But if the church is a lifeboat, two services is a step, first step, just a step, a part of the commitment we make to seek out and make room for the lost. And if that's what you believe, it's obvious what we need to do. We need to continue to offer two services so there's seats in our lifeboat. This is the heart of what the church is. The elders of this church are convinced that we are here to be a lifeboat. We're here for commitment rather than comfort. We're committed to our vision to make, foster, and grow disciples. And we deeply hope that you are too. And so we're sure the right thing to do is to continue offering two services on Sunday. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? What should we do next? If we are committed, right, if we have a boat and we have empty seats, and we have taken some aboard. Uh, 39 souls have been baptized, each a precious soul in the sight of God, each one for whom there is rejoicing over the one that was lost uh, since 2013. But I think we'd all agree we'd like to do better. We'd like to see more obvious evidence before our eyes that our rescue effort, and that's what we are, our rescue project is succeeding. So we just said we are not inclined to give up. Uh, we probably are not uh, satisfied with where we are, and therefore we need to go forward, right? So how do we go forward? How do we become better at bringing the lost to join us in this room? What we need is the rest of a plan, right? The rest of a plan. 
And a plan that doesn't just make growth possible, but makes growth considerably more likely. And that brings me to my second regret and confession on behalf of the elders. Uh, We have not made the progress on that plan that we wanted to. We're behind. And for that, we ask your forgiveness, and we ask your forbearance, and we're determined to do better in the future. So the question, how do we reach the lost in this time? Society has changed hugely over the last decades. To evangelize is to build bridges from the unchanging eternal gospel of God to a changing and ever-moving world around us. So we need to build bridges to where society is, not where it once was, and that's what Craig talked about last Sunday, right? A different way to be people of the word. Uh, There are lots of different ideas and not so many clear answers. I don't think the the consensus is there on how you do that in the year 2016. But uh, we need to try some things. And so we've decided going forward in the immediate future to focus on four areas. And at least three of these are not traditional evangelism areas, and there's a reason for that. So let me explain that. So in picking things to focus on, uh, here's four things we tried to, to find in those things we were going to choose, right? Uh, four things we look for making choices. Number one, we want some concentration. We want to focus on a few things as opposed to trying to do everything, right? We wanted to uh, have some synergy. What's that mean? Uh, what's our mission? Uh, make, foster, and grow disciples. Things that will help us do all three of those, make, foster, and grow, have synergy to them, right? We would like synergy in the ideas that we pick. We want a place of involvement for all of us. Whatever your situation, whatever your talents, whatever your skills are, whatever time you have or do not have, I'm convinced there's something that each one of us can do to advance the progress of this lifeboat in saving others. And so we want things that will have a place for people of many different skills, talents, and abilities, right? And lastly, we're blessed with resources in the church, and we want to use them. We have money, and we also have room on our staff now to make additions to it. And we want to use those resources in what we're going to do. So I'm going to give you four focus areas. I hope you will perceive things happening in those areas, and I hope you will look for ways to join with them. Okay. I'm going to pose four questions. Uh, the goal, of course, is to have a yes answer to these questions. I think, we think, today our answer would be, eh, probably not quite. And so we want to work on that. If we do that, we'll make us a better lifeboat, both a better lifeboat to serve in for us, right, and a better lifeboat for reaching out to others. And the first is worship. Anytime someone talks about worship, it makes people nervous. Uh, Our question is, do we consistently offer the best worship that we can? Um, Because it makes people nervous, I want to first repeat, right, Jesus said that the Father wants worshipers who worship in truth, and that's true. That's John 4.23. Be assured that this eldership will not concentrate on the scripturality, the truth of the worship that we offer. But he also said in John 4.23, in the same breath, that the Father wants believers who worship in spirit. And we think we can do some work on that. We think we have room for improvement. What does that have to do with evangelism? Paul said... This is 1 Corinthians 14, 25. Paul said that if we do worship well and a stranger is among us, the stranger will exclaim, God is really among you. That's the goal. We intend to do better in that area. Second, small groups. 
Have we fully realized, fully realized the benefits of small groups for making, fostering, and growing disciples? Small groups are a place that people can feel the warmth and love that was obvious in the church of Acts 2 and Acts 4. It's a little harder to do that, two, three, four hundred people at a time. Okay. Small groups are much less intimidating to visitors than this assembly. We may not feel we're intimidating, but when we're all sitting in here and people don't know what's going on, we're intimidating. Small groups are less intimidating, right? This gives us a chance to do what Paul did when he said, this is Acts 20, 20, that he went teaching from house to house. Okay. Comforting. Are we doing the best we can to show love to each other in times of trouble? Uh, Jesus told his disciples that if we loved each other, as he did, right, he said, all men will know that you are my disciples. That's an evangelical goal for you. That's John 13, 35. All men will know that you are my disciples. And we do much. This is a very loving congregation. We do much. But we also know that much gets overlooked. And that's not something that we should feel proud of. And therefore, we intend to do better. And then lastly, and more directly evangelically, are we taking the full advantage, fullest advantage of all the ways that we can reach out to people who need the gospel? Many, again, of you, many of us are doing things Good things in that direction. And again, we see and appreciate and thank all of those who are doing those things. And yet, we think much can be gained by focus and coordination between these different pieces. Using the lifeboat example, it's kind of the difference between, okay, everybody grab an oar and row. And let's all row in the same direction together. The second is usually more effective. Uh, So we intend to do better. We do believe that carrying out this plan will include having... More people on our ministry staff, and all options are open there. No decisions are made, whether that's full or part-time, whether that's paid or volunteer, and whether those folks are recruited externally as you know, trained folks from outside or they rise up from among us. But we expect we'll have people concentrating in these four areas. So now you know what's on our minds. Uh, we'd be glad to know what's on yours if you have questions or ideas, but most particularly if you have concerns, I guess most particularly if you really think that what we said today is not valid, we really want to hear from you. We'd like to hear from you directly. Please speak to us directly. We try hard to be accessible, and there are many ways to get in touch with us so you can have that conversation. So those are the things that the elders wanted to share. The morning's talk is focused mainly on the plan of this church, But we've also focused on why we're here, and we're here to serve each other and others on behalf of Jesus of Nazareth. So if you have any needs, uh, we'd like to serve you. Uh, There's several ways, three ways you can let us know that. You can come up to the front after service. We sing a song and set aside time for that purpose. Uh, If you'd like to do that more privately, you can ask someone to point you to our library. You'll find a elder and his wife in the library who would be very eager to talk to you about how we can help or just grab a hold of somebody and say hey I want somebody to help me and they'll lead you to someone who can Uh, please let us know if we can do something for you let's stand and sing sing your life a shepherd